Welcome to Simply PM&R, a Mayo Clinic Talks production. The simple solution for physical medicine and rehabilitation healthcare professionals who want to keep up while on the go. I'm your host, Dr. Jeff Bro, physiatrist and PM&R at Mayo Clinic. Spinal cord injuries. We all know how devastating they can be. Cause a lot of disability in a lot of folks. Often thought to be non-treatable and non-curable. But we may be on to an answer now. We're joined today by Dr. Mo Biden, professor of neurosurgery at Mayo Clinic, who's going to talk to us about regenerative technology and spinal cord injury. Dr. Biden, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All the buzz around Mayo Clinic and spinal cord injury has been around your study. Tell me a little bit about the team and how you came up with the idea for this study. So at Mayo Clinic, we work in multidisciplinary teams. And so uh, Dr. Chu uh, of uh, PMR uh, and myself, who's my co-principal investigator, um, in addition to a, a number of colleagues from physical medicine and rehab, uh, we have at least four co-investigators uh, from PMR, uh, in addition to uh, co-investigators from neurology, uh, transfusion medicine, among other departments. Specifically, also, I should point out that our neurologists have been doing uh, a number of uh, uh, studies surrounding multisystem atrophy, uh, ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, and um, those we, we built on the work that they had done in those studies in order to expand into spinal cord injury. And so it's been really a multidisciplinary team effort. It really sounds like it. So I understand you have 10 patients enrolled. Tell me a little bit about the spinal cord injuries that these patients have had and, and just walk me through the process of, of the study. So within our study, you had to have had a spinal cord injury where at the time of injury, you are in Asia A or B. Um, after uh, we can enroll you from two weeks after injury to one year after injury, although it's important to note that the patient who was treated the earliest after injury was seven months, and the patient who was treated the longest after injury was 22 months. But they were all enrolled between two weeks and um, uh, one year. Uh, additionally, you can improve, because we, we all know that many patients improve from Asia A or B um, onto Asia B or C or, or beyond that. But we want to see a plateau in that improvement. And so patient, we had several patients who did improve after their initial time of injury, but patient one, um, uh, who also improved, had a period of plateau, and so we enrolled him at five months after injury. He had already started to plateau at that point, and by the time that we treated him was 11 months after injury, and so there was a seven, eight-month period of no improvement or plateau, and so in that scenario, we can still treat you as part of the study because you've had a plateau in your improvement. Now, in terms of our design of the study, because we know many patients improve after a spinal cord injury, mm -hmm. and so it's important to try to isolate the impact of the stem cells, I'd say that we tried to do that in three ways. Number one, by not enrolling and treating patients the day after their injury. And so there are a number of trials who start treating patients at 24 hours, 48 hours, and they may ha might have reasons for doing that. But in our trial, the earliest anyone got treated was seven months after injury. 
The other way that we did it was by isolating out what physical therapy they would receive. And so we uh, spoke to the patients, and th there's many trials where there will be a major intervention, but they'll combine that with sometimes, you know, very expensive, several hundred thousand dollars of physical therapy or a million dollars of physical therapy in some cases. And we did not want that confounder. And so we told patients, whatever physical therapy you were doing before, we'd like you to continue that. And so oftentimes the patients were actually getting less intensive physical therapy seven, eight months out from their injury than they had been um, in the first mm -hmm. few months of injury. Um, and then finally, um, the, um, uh, the, the last way that we did it is by that period of plateau where we would want to see a plateau of no improvement before we would come in and inject you with our cells. So cervical, thoracic, both areas? C or? Cervical and thoracic are allowed. And the injection in our case occurs in the lumbar region. Um, but the spinal fluid, remember, is very dynamic. And there's production that occurs hourly uh, uh, within the spinal fluid, or in real time, really, within the spinal fluid and circulation that occurs. And so um, as long as there are not full blockages of circulation, uh, then we can, we can um, uh, in theory, be able to treat you. And the other thing to point is this is uh, blunt traumatic injuries. And so mm -hmm. penetrating injuries are not uh, part of the study at this point in time. Perfect. So where do you get the cells from? And, and what do you do to them to, to make them prepare them for injection? So these are adipose-derived mesenchymal stem cells. I think your audience will know there's many different types of stem cells, and there's many different parts of the body from which to get stem cells. In addition, there's autologous stem cells from your own body versus uh, allogeneic stem cells from somebody else or manufactured stem cells. In our case, these are autologous, uh, adipose-derived, mesenchymal stem cells. Uh, those cells are then cultured and grown at our uh, cell culture facility here at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, uh, Minnesota, and then are re-injected into the patients. Uh, and, and the reason that we chose the adipose-derived mesenchymal stem cells is because we have, um, uh, A, we've had a good track record of uh, success with them in other disease states, but in, in addition to a good track record of safety, but B, um, they uh, tend to elicit a very vascular response that we believe would be helpful for something like spinal cord injury, which results in significant scar tissue and secondary mm -hmm. injuries. And so we hypothesize that they, they were the right cell for this type of disease. So you take the stems, or you take out the adipose, you send it to this group that expands the culture. What kind of numbers are you looking for? Uh, it, it, it's variable. Um, uh, there isn't, you know, in the case of this patient, we had 100 million uh, cells, but it is variable in terms of exactly how many cells you inject. And the, as you said, you do this through a lumbar puncture. Yep. And it's a one-time shot? It's a one-time injection. Now, I will note that some of our colleagues in neurology for different disease entities um, do injections every three months. Uh, but in this case, we we were in that phase one safety trial, right. and so we thought a one-time injection would be the um, uh, would be the the rational place to start. So you do the injection, then what? What do you what? Do you, how do you? I guess I'm wondering how do you counsel a patient and say this is what we can expect? I know this is a safety trial, and you really can't say this is what we expect, but 
Walk me through what you actually tell the patient, what they're going to experience right. afterwards. So, so then we have a significant number of follow-ups. I mean, patients are here for extended periods of time, and we have uh, significant follow-ups that occur uh, with patients with uh, continuous visits with our uh, doctors. Uh, due to some regulatory purposes, we've even had to include uh, ophthalmologic uh, evaluations. Mm. Uh, those I don't think will have to continue per se, but, but there were... Um, um, uh, you know, there were some reports of ophthalmologic compromise coming out of uh, certain clinics uh, in uh, Miami uh, that were using stem cells off-label. And so for that reason, so there's a lot of evaluations that have to occur as a part of the trial, just using that as one example. Um, but essentially, we tell patients up front, one, this is a safety trial. Our main goal is to understand safety. One of our secondary outcomes is to understand the effectiveness of this treatment and to gain insight into that. One thing that we've seen in this trial, we published patient one because he's two years out from injection and over three years out from his injury. Um, the other patients, as they get to their two-year points, will help us fill in that story to the scientific community and to the medical community. And what you're going to find when that story is filled in is that we have some patients who are super responders, like patient one, um, we have other patients who are uh, non-responders. We have at least two patients that had no response. Hmm. We have other patients that are moderate responders. One of our goals for the next phase, which will be a phase two trial and controlled and randomized, is to understand why some patients respond better than others and to try to hone in on the population that will respond very effectively and to try to understand for the population that doesn't respond are there certain things that we can help modify that might make them responders? Are you thinking that, well, I guess I'm wondering, LP punctures, or could you do it more directly, like uh, right, right into the spinal cord? Is that Yeah, we've discussed intraspinal uh, mm -hmm. injections, and that would be uh, a next uh, step as well. I think once we validate the signals Safety. that we're seeing in this, in this trial, uh, moving on to increasing doses, changing doses, and uh, changing route of administration. The ultimate, well, tough question, why do you think it works? It's hard for me to answer that. Um, it, it's, we know it doesn't work in everybody, but we know it works in some people. Um, mechanistically, uh, it's difficult because unless you get the histology, uh, it's really difficult to answer a mechanistic question. We are tracking biomarkers, and we do LPs after injection mm. to track biomarkers. Mm -hmm. And so we do have that component of our study that will also be coming out with results in the coming years. Um, but, you know, I'd say the best theories on our types of cells and why they might help in this case is a, a vascular uh, promoting response. So vascular and, you think, decreasing scar tissue? Ab absolutely. Getting in, you know, the primary insult occurs, but with spinal cord injury, oftentimes it's that secondary insult that does a lot of the damage. And so if we can... Uh, we can't stop the primary insult because that's the fall, the mm -hmm. trauma, the car accident... Uh, in the case of some of our military service members, uh, the, um, uh, the, 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 you know, blast injury. So we can't stop that part of it. But can we help stop or modify the secondary injury so that it's not the process that it is today? And that's sort of the, the area where we think our intervention might be helpful. Well, this, this, I can't tell you how fantastic this sounds. Uh, working with spinal cord injury, patients in the past it's like 
they have to wait for natural history to uh, to occur. This sounds like boy, you can you can change things. So so much of the treatment in spinal cord injury has been supportive care, and that supportive care has made a big difference for people and for their quality of life. Um, the orthotics, the therapy, I mean, all of that has helped us advance the field. Um, but we haven't seen large paradigm shifts in how we treat and manage paradigm uh, and how we treat and manage spinal cord injury. And like you're saying, a lot of it is, well, wait for the natural history. And so can we intervene and can we, when you look at the, the, INS- the INSKI scores of where somebody would be without injection versus where somebody could be with injection, can we help upshift that that change? Right, right. Bowel and bladder are always a big issue. Have we seen changes with bowel and bladder? With we, we've seen improvements, uh, at least in one case in bowel and bladder, uh, and in sexual function in a different case. And so we have seen uh, some uh, changes there. Side effects. Have you seen anything bad happen from these LP injections? The, the nice thing about uh, our current trial is that it, it's been very safe. Uh, and effective and, uh, or, or very safe, I should say. Um, uh, uh, and so we have not seen major safety signals. Um, post-LP headaches mm-hmm. are one thing, which the treatment for that can be a blood patch. We haven't had to blood patch anyone, uh, but most commonly is, you know, you get more uh, flat rest than you do otherwise. Fantastic. All right, I'm going to ask you the crystal ball question, phase two. Where do you see it going? Dr. Biden's in charge. He's going to change spinal cord injury treatment. Where are we headed? So phase two is going to be um, randomized and controlled. Um, We will have uh, patients that undergo injection versus uh, patients that do not and that undergo best uh, medical management. Um, My hope is that uh, we see uh, greater signals on uh, effectiveness and that we start to hone in on those subpopulations that will have uh, more of a benefit uh, from the intervention. So in phase two, are you just going to do injections? Or are you going to do injections and therapy? Or It'll be uh, uh, just injections just again. Injections. So, so we'll isolate out the injection again. Because that'll be fascinating down the road is, boy, if you do stem cells, they get some improvement. Is there some streamlined therapy so, that might? So that's the other question that, that I've had, which is, if, um, if I think we know no one answer, no one, no one treatment is going to be the treatment sure, for, for sure. patients with spinal cord injury. And so it's going to be a multitude of treatments that we have to put together into a protocol, much like an oncology. Sometimes it's surgery plus radiation plus chemo. And so there's going to be algorithms that we put together for patients. Now, oncology is much further ahead of where we are today for this disease state. But my hope is that through these trials, we can much better inform the treatments and the algorithms. To your point, other things eventually do need to be added in so that rather than isolating things out, we can start adding things in an additive process and saying, okay, this sequence of events is going to give us the best management for this patient load. I, I can't stop saying fascinating. Phase two trial starts, when are you thinking? Uh, quarter one of this year. Quarter one of this year. So uh, in the coming months. Is Mayo going to give you your own secretary to, or let's say I'm sitting in Colorado, been out from my spinal cord injury now seven months. How do I get it interested in the study or enrolled in the we, study or who do I call? We, we have a team, um, so you can go to our website and we have uh, a, a full uh, uh, team prepared to answer the questions. There's also an email 
neuroinformatics, one word, at mayo.edu. And you can email that. There's a study team that uh, checks that daily and goes through. Um, and they've, in fact, triaged many uh, requests already. Uh, but that goes through, looks at the requests, and determines uh, whether you um, are a candidate for this study or for other types of studies, mm -hmm. and then uh, refers you appropriately to one or the other. So that's under mayoclinic.org yep. to look for the uh, spinal cord injury regenerative medicine? Precisely. You can look up the neuroinformatics laboratory, okay. and you can find ways of getting in touch with me and my team. That is fantastic. We've been talking to Dr. Mo Biden about regenerative medicine for spinal cord injuries, and it is fascinating, and where it's going is really exciting. Mo, thanks for your time. Thank you for having me. This is Jeff Bro physiatrist in PM&R at Mayo Clinic, saying thank you for your time. Until we talk again, remember the words of one of our founders, Dr. William Mayo. Rehabilitation is to be the master word in medicine. Thanks for joining us.